This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Now on Joy 94.9, this is The Glow Show with your host, Victoria Police LGBTI Liaison Officer, Gabrielle Tayak, Joy's own Will Lanting, with a range of Victoria Police staff and Joy volunteers coming together to inform and support our diverse LGBTI communities. Here is The Glow Show on Joy. And welcome to The Glow Show, Joy 94.9. This would happen to be Australia's favourite police radio show, wouldn't it, Gabby? Well, <laughs> how many times have I told you we're pretty much the only police radio well, show? Well, let's not get bogged down with facts and figures. It's, we are Australia's most popular, <laughs> <laughs> even though we are the only one. You can't argue with them. True, true. You know what I love about doing this show? Tell me. You know, when I get police officers in, and it's become a little bit of a tradition that I ask them, why did they become a police officer? And always the answer is, is I get a sense of ag- advocacy out of them. They, they really want to give to their community. They really want to give back. And that's why they wanted to become a police officer. Except one, I did have one bit say that she wanted to get front row tickets to the, uh, to the Collingwood match. <laughs> now, funny you should say that, because I heard a bit of a giggle to my right, and we've got in the studio with us, we're very, very lucky to have Assistant Commissioner Tess Walsh back with us. Tess, welcome to the studio. Thank you, Will. <laughs> and we won't talk about the football game on Saturday night with Geelong and Collingwood, we just won't. We won't go there? The first women's game in, at GMHBA Stadium, we'll move on. Go Cats! Uh, <laughs> and we're also joined uh, by Jen Dixon, how are you? Hi Will, how are you going? Welcome back to the studio. Thanks for having me. It's great to see you. Now, Tess, I must say, uh, look, despite joining the police force because you wanted front row tickets of the footy, <laughs> uh, you um, not only assistant commissioner, 30 years experience, uh, but you also are the safety and people cultural strategy manager where you were bringing diversity and inclusion into the police force, so you're a major driver to that. And you are on the top 50 of Deloitte's list of most outstanding LGBTI leaders, so well done, and you uh, you do have an excellent sense of advocacy, if I get the word out right. I don't need to say anything at all, Will. No, the Deloitte top 50 um, LGBTI um, People that was a that was uh, that was a real um, surprise, but a, a, quite an honour. There's some incredible people in uh, in that list, and, and a lot of fun to meet with them and um, and accept that uh, honour. So and Deloitte doing some fantastic work around the um, culture piece as well. Excellent. No, really, you should really be proud of the work you do, and um, no, congratulations on all of that. And speaking of great work that you do. Um, I did see you in the news recently, yeah. and as uh, as most of the community knows, the Glow Show is the community, which is myself, and the police, which is Gabby, and we work together, and um, we're trying to bring working togetherness and, and uh, community sense to to everybody out there. So me not being a police officer, my industry is the aviation industry. I'm an engineer with one of the major airlines. To see you on the news the other day, uh, which we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit, um, sort of came to a little bit of shock because you did have a, a bust within my industry. So it's quite fortuitous that you're here today to talk about that and yeah. we can share a little bit of uh, 
information or just vision of what transpired. So, but first of all, can you explain to me and others out there what uh, what transpired? Yeah. So, um, we'd been uh, we'd been running Operation Sunrise with our other law enforcement partners. So, uh, we have a group called JOCTIF, the Joint Organised Crime Task Force, and they're made up of Victoria Police, Australian Federal Police, um, and Australian Cr- Criminal Intelligence Commission, uh, supported by Australian Border Force. So, all those agencies um, come together. We'd been working on this um, uh, alleged, and I'll, I'll start from the beginning and say, um, whilst we have done some press on this, uh, we have a number of people before the court facing very serious charges who are also on remand. So I'll be limited and careful about what I um, can uh, explain. But we had been uh, monitoring this uh, Vietnamese organised crime syndicate based out of Melbourne for quite some time. And um, it became clear to us and will allege that the um, syndicate were using the um, cabin crew from uh, Moleno Air to uh, import drugs into the um, into Australia. That's quite fascinating because when it came out, uh, I was surprised and then at the same time I wasn't surprised. Now, 30 years in in the industry, uh, I can see these sort of things happening. You know, people have access to international travel, domestic travel. Um, in the past, security can also be a, a little bit minimal, especially down in, in the staffing areas. Uh, but also in 30 years, I'd never seen anything. Not to say that things have had happened. There had also been an incident, I think, about five years ago in Sydney where some catering staff mm. were uh, importing stuff from America through the catering system. Uh, I, I don't know exactly where that went or, or, or what. Um, but, look, it's a, an, an interesting thing. that It hit close to home, uh, which was quite a shock. And it became, a, to me, a timely reminder to, to be vigilant in the workplace. And regardless of what workplace you're in, people have access to all sorts of criminal activities or, or have the privilege of, of that and one of the first things I thought about was the type of staff that you have you know you have professional staff and myself being an engineer it takes many many years to get to that level I couldn't imagine the people doing crime at my level or I thought it would more be your transient workers the low skilled areas which clearly is a, and can be a problem but it reminds you that it can happen at every level oh indeed and it, it, look, I think every industry has vulnerabilities and I guess it's a, a really timely reminder for every industry to have a look back step back look at your governance and your processes and, and say are we safe here and are we keeping our people safe as well um, that, that, that's a that's a huge issue for us um, we don't make any allegations about the um, the people who have brought the drugs into Australia um, you know having been drug affected I, I, but um, you know the, the harm that that has done to our, our Victorian community and it, and they operating across other states as well so the harm that that's brought into the into our community is is enormous and um, it's really interesting I um, received a message after having done some of the media from a family I know who have been dealing with a member with um, a drug a drug addiction, and uh, the family just encouraged me to you know share with my team. Thank you, and great work, and. Uh 
the um, the work that you do is really valued because uh, they've seen firsthand the harm of drug addiction and the the misery that that comes not just for the person but for the entire family and and, and lots of other people that they know. Mm. No, then that's and you, and you bring another um, another level of harm as well. It's it's yeah. impacted on reputations and 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 certainly industry. So and your industry. So that must be for those that turn up well intentioned. That must be really that must be hard to deal with. It is. It is very hurtful. Uh, it um, it makes you open your eyes uh, quite a lot. Um, as I said, in 30 years, I'd never seen anything untoward. I mean, I've heard idiots say, how about this and how about that? Or wouldn't it be easy to do this and wouldn't it be easy to do that? But I could encourage just... you to keep an eye out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and, um, and, the th- and the message is it can, it can happen to anybody. But and... you're a great example of community because people aren't generally looking for mm. uh, that, it's p- particularly with their colleagues. Yeah. Uh, whereas um, if... Any of us probably um, looked at a group. We'd be looking for the person that was vulnerable there. So um, we sort of have a our training sees see the see the world a little bit differently. Yeah. And these kind kinds of operations often are the result of people giving us little snippets of, of information, um, seeing things that look a little bit off, hearing things that they think are suspicious, or actually being completely aware of what's going on. And unless they tell us this information these busts aren't going to happen. So it's, it's the importance of ringing the police and ringing Crime, Stropper, Crime Stoppers on 1800 000. I also, also think uh, another thing to keep in mind is no matter how small the crime you see, it's probably good to make it aware to the police or to your senior management or to, to somebody because quite often a, a small crime can be dealt with. A person can get the help that they need before it evolves to something bigger and more nastier and uh, certainly someone going overseas offshore yeah. and dealing with a, a drug incident or a drug crime. Spot on, Will, and that's particularly true of young people. Yeah. And, um, you know, if, if uh, I think that sometimes we see young people uh, at the start of a slippery slide to, you know, crisis or, or um, addiction or criminality, that the intervention at that point in time um, is absolutely critical and that's where we want our community partners to be playing, you know, from a health perspective but also uh, from a lifelong perspective. Um, if we can get community members to intervene with young people when they're at that moment in time where they're going to start to make bad decisions, that, that's absolutely critical. Mm. Now, Tess, you're Assistant Commissioner of, the, of Crime Command? Is yes, that, indeed. Could say, give me a bit of a rundown of the structure of your department. So we run um, essentially in divisions. So there's myself. Uh, I've just got a marvellous new commander, mm-hmm. Mick Fruin, who's um, doing some great work already. Um, we've got uh, divisions that look after serious crime, so that will will incorporate uh, homicide, sexual crime squad, missing persons, cold case unit, etc. Um, then we've got our organised crime uh, section that looks after the um, essentially all essentially the bikies, the gangs, uh, armed crime, um, etc. Then we've got organised crime that looks after uh, drugs 
and um, got some of our joint task forces in there, Trident that operate down at the um, port and we've got uh, Joctif as I indicated that I operate with the AFP and then we've got Cyber and Finance who do some extraordinary work, we've got a um, whole range of different people there that uh, that um, you know, they're, they're the back of house champions that spend years going through um, receipts and, and, and uh, financial documents in order to charge somebody with a you know high level fraud things like that. Then we've got an operations support area that um, that uh, help us with a whole range of different um, back of house sort of um, uh, projects and and planning and uh, movements, people, HR, all of that sort of side of the house. It's, it's kind of like the fun command, you know. Like it's you know when people look outside into the police and they think about all the the sexy yeah. parts of policing. That's the crime command has it all. You know, it's got all the squads and yeah. all the fun things that people want to see. I think probably forensics would be second to crime command because everybody likes to see a CSI aspect interest. as well. So it's it's fascinating for people externally. Well, I, I can tell you, we rarely turn a job brand in an hour though. So. <laughs> it really raised expectations, that show. All the high-rating TV shows to do with crime are usually homicides, cold cases, organised right. crime. Yeah. So it is the sexy stuff. But that is my challenge because, you know, those people are forward, they're known, their work's known, they're highly celebrated. What I'm really looking forward to doing is changing some of the culture and really putting a spotlight on some of these uh, areas that uh, that focus on money laundering or focus on something that's mm. in it will be in, incredibly interesting to the community, but they don't know much about it. So mm. we're looking forward to telling a lot more stories and doing a lot more things like this into the future so we can... Um so we can celebrate all, all of our investigators and mm. and, um, and uh, members. Now, yeah, look, that's that's quite a big portfolio or quite a big department you've got there, Tess, and uh, fascinating stuff. So stay tuned. Um, when we return, we want to talk a little bit about cybercrime, uh, also a little bit about bikies, and uh, I'd like to also talk a little bit about guns if we have a bit of time. Uh, you were listening to The Glow Show with Tess Walsh, System Commissioner of uh, Crime Command on Joy 94.9. You're listening to The Glow Show. On Joy. Back soon. Listen to us right around the nation. Joy 94.9. Welcome back. This is The Glow Show on Joy. You're back with The Glow Show on Joy 94.9 with Gabby and Will. And in the studio today, we've got our lovely extra special guest, Jen Dixon from Priority Communities Division. She also thought it was me. (laughs) You're extra, extra special and (laughs) Assistant Commissioner Tess Walsh because Jen's not here very often, but neither are you. Okay. But we've been talking about a whole bunch of things in relation to Crime Command, but a couple of things I want to focus on are the cold cases. And I know that recently, Mr. Stinky, who was a serial rapist and murderer from the 60s operating up until I think the mid 80s he was recently charged with I believe 31 new offences he was um, and that was um, from our uh, cold case team uh, at sex crimes Um, they've done a remarkable job again that one's before the court I know we've done some press uh, so I'll be a little confined in in, in what Mm. um, I'll say but uh, it's a great example of some of the work that we're doing um, supported by our, our partners in forensics and um, you know building a rapport with um, uh, 
with somebody like that and uh, and re- reopening some of those investigations. So for us, um, we say to our victims, a lot, lot of people have been victims of these serious crimes and, uh, you know, our message to the community, I guess, we don't put them away if they're, they're unsolved. We're, we're still ticking away. We're, we're going to f- we find different angles uh, at different times. People go through different things in their lives and, and um, you know, sometimes we get to uh, solve things that uh, people mm-hmm. wouldn't ordinarily think that we would have the opportunity to. But uh, we're getting so much better with our technology and our forensic um, advances. So that, that's been a great help. Um, Which wh- is what I wanted to ask. Is this an example of technology now catching up with past crimes? Part That's part of the... Okay. Um, so uh, I think you know people always think that an investigation, uh, it'll be a person or a thing that solves it. Um, I can be really clear about uh, the Crime Command and no one person ever, ever solves a job. Um, We roll out as teams, we think like teams, we respond, we... um, and, And there's many, many, many different pieces to a puzzle that comes to, you know, you collect evidence in a, in a, in a hundred different ways to get that one charge. And it's um, it's not just the Crime Command either. It is our champions at forensics, our champions in the regions. Mm-hmm. We've got detectives everywhere and, and they all um, all look at the same um, the same set of information and, and people see things differently and interpret things differently. And that's the beauty of investigation mm-hmm. is that you can take it north, south, east or west. But, you know, in the end, we want that charge. Can you give us a little bit of um, background just to remind people who Mr Stinky is? So um, Raymond Edmonds was a uh, person who was convicted of um, murder and uh, rape through the 60s and 70s, I think it was, and he's been incarcerated for quite some time. It's unlikely that he would be spending a lot of time outside jail. So in terms of um, the successful prosecution of of these extra charges, it's less about, you know... um, um, about him reoffending, but it's much more about uh, letting those victims know that justice will prevail mm-hmm. at some stage. And um, you know, right is might, and, and they're the things that we hold on to, and, and that's really important uh, for any victim uh, to to know that we're going to continue to uh, use our advanced technologies in order to. Um, re-examine all of our files that we do periodically. Because often you hear when you're looking at old cases and, and crimes from that period, you you find that the offender moves around quite a lot and often interstate, not only just within their own state. Is he a similar type offender? Yes, there has been some, um, some uh, travel uh, and, and I think some offending across the states as well. So yes, he's exactly one of those. And, and, and often it's, you know, that's part of the puzzle is to put the person in the state at that time and once you you can um, do that you, you look at um, so, so cold case will look at where a person where we know a person is at any given time and and who's around them at that time and then revisit um, so perhaps if they were interstate why were they interstate what were they doing where were they working who were they with uh, and and revisit those people and, and and sort of reconstruct that time in their lives and that will give you an indication as to whether or not um, you know that the person's likely to be responsible for outstanding jobs. Mm. Uh, talking about interstate, um, which is I've noticed is a bit of a multi-state problem, uh, bikey gangs recently. Now, has some work being done? Oh, obviously there's work being done, but is there anything particular going on at the moment? Any we, focus? Yeah, we've got a, a great focus, and mm. we've um, 
we've done some considerable work to destabilise the Comanchero uh, motorcycle gang and uh, we've been quite successful at that. Interestingly, again, rather than um, people think that we... Um, do this in the usual way. We've sort of taken a bit of an Al Capone uh, mode to this one, and uh, looking at assets and finances, and and um, and, and taking a, a different view of how to um, take down a criminal enter- enterprise which uh, is uh, hopefully going to be very successful. Uh, We've also got uh, firearms prohibition orders, which were um, introduced in May last year. Now, they're a real game changer for us. That says that uh, if if you're somebody who's likely to carry a firearm um, or because of your associates or your criminal history, then we can issue you with a firearm prohibition order. And that uh, uh, comes with certain conditions, but you're not allowed to then associate with people or carry firearms or be in a place where firearms may well be and that gives us certain powers to search immediately and that's been that's we've had a great impact uh, since we've been serving um, those prohibition orders very smart way to tackle the issue mm. yeah they're talking about gun amnesty that's is that active at the moment where like can we still hand our guns in if we happen to find one so um particularly in country police stations mm. there's there's always turnover of firearms uh where people are no longer with us and they die and that's the family don't want the guns things like, like that mm. uh, if certainly there's far too many guns in society and, and we look at our uh whereas in my career there you might look at the um what's happened overnight and there would be a single job with a gun that we took very seriously. Now there's multiple jobs with firearms most days, which we, the prevalence of guns in, the, in our society is something that we're really concerned about. Do you still think guns are obviously being imported illegally and it's, it is a growing problem? Oh, there's a lot of evidence to say that um, there's, there's importation. There's also the ability, you know... Uh, difficult for us. We've had some cases where we've got people um, making firearms and there's a range of different um, ways you can do that, which I won't go into to encourage anybody. Uh, But you can uh, make your fire and they they are operational. And this is becoming more and more of a problem every day. Indeed it is, yeah. yeah. There's um, the, the methodology by, with, by which you put a firearm together and make the use certain parts is mm. becoming known. So that's that's a concern. But certainly the importation of, of um, illegal firearms is, is a growing issue. Now, coming up this Saturday, it's the 10th anniversary of Black Saturday bushfires. I know that you were involved in the investigation or that operation when as a response what can you tell us about that oh what an extraordinary time um so i was the uh darabin local area commander at the time so i was an inspector and uh my area at darabin was um was joined with Whittlesea, which covered King Lake. So um, shortly after the fires began, I made my way up to um, King Lake and um, came home about seven weeks later and, you know, really changed my... changed my policing career forever, changed a lot of lives forever. Mm. Um, Working with that community and some of the most amazing people I've had the privilege of working with up there, police and non-police members. I, in fact, um, met uh, the great Commissioner Ro Allen um, Mm. up on the mountain. We did some uh, terrific work together with that uh, very, very, um, very uh, distressed 
community and um, it's a, it was sort of a privilege to be there but and it was a privilege to, to play a leadership role with that community in, in the dire um, need that it was but it really reoriented policing for, for me uh, instead of being obviously enjoyed a lot of um, crook catching type policing but this was very very much about what what do we need to do today and how do we help this this poor community and uh, and uh, it was a very pivotal time but um, yeah it'll be it'll be an interesting uh, 10 year anniversary do you think we've learned, or the police has learned a lot on how to deal with a disaster of that magnitude? Oh gosh, Victoria Police and all our emergency mm. services partners are now very, very well structured in terms of how we respond to fires. So having spent most of my uh, career after that, interestingly it was the first time I'd worked in the country and I've pretty much worked in the country ever since. So um, our, our um, training, our structures, our processes are now very connected. We've got the emergency services committee we, and we've, we, we all work very, very coordinated these days. And that's, uh, you know, we'll, we'll always have fires. We're a, we're a state that will always have uh, emergencies with um, with uh, nature and fires is one of them. Uh, but we're very, very well skilled at how we respond and, and how we support our emergency services partners, whether the CFA or And that support during and after the uh, disaster. Too. Absolutely. And yeah. the way we uh, rehabilitate a community is yeah. now very, very different to... Um, what we had then. Interestingly, in a few weeks' time, we have our ex-Deputy Commissioner, Andrew Crisp, who's now with the CFA, coming on to talk about um, summer safety, whether it's with fires or with um, swimming, uh, because there's been a lot of recent drownings. So that's going to be an interesting discussion coming up in the next few weeks. Yeah, terrific. Tess, we must finish up. Thank you very much for coming in this evening. Always a pleasure to talk to you, Will. Thank you, and Jen, yeah, thank you for dropping by. (laughs) Thanks, Will. Um, Gabby, we'll see you next week and uh, you stay safe and everybody you stay safe out there and have a great week. You've been listening to The Glow Show. See you next week. See you next week on Joy 94.9. That's it from us today. Thanks for listening to another Glow Show on Joy. Tonight's episode has just been loaded to the Joy website and our podcast feed on iTunes. So if you missed anything important, you can hear it again now. Please support the volunteers who make the Glow Show happen by subscribing to our podcast and sharing them with your friends on social media. The Glow Show is produced by Will Lansing and Gabrielle Tyak and edited weekly by me, Jason Gibbs. See you next time on Joy. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.